Hey, I bring you Labor Day greetings. Uh, I am not Steve Jones. He's on vacation. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I was teasing with some people last week uh, who I knew were planning on being gone on this holiday weekend. And I just teased with them and said, oh, so the word's already gotten out. And there were a couple of people that were horrified because they don't, I guess they didn't know me well enough to know I like to make fun of myself as, as a pretty standard kind of joke. But oh no, I didn't know you, you were preaching. Uh, we'll watch online. So you better be watching online right now, folks, okay? All right. Thank you for those who are here. I appreciate the fact that you are here with us on this holiday weekend. We do have lots of folks who are traveling, and, and we pray that, uh, that they'll have safety in their travels and be back uh, with us as quickly as possible. That would be nice. So, uh, But, yeah, you're, you're stuck with me, and i got to confess to you before I get started this morning, God has been kicking my tail as he has prepared this message today. So, if it has any impact in your life, that'll be icing on the cake, because he's been working on me, because I still have lots of work that needs to be done uh, right here in my walk with Christ. So, just a fair warning, don't, don't walk out there and go, man, you've been following me around at work, haven't you? No, I haven't, I haven't, I'm, it's, it's pointed right here at me, all right, so... Again, if you're joining us online, thanks for being here. Maybe you're listening to the podcast later in the week. I don't know if you knew this or not, but our sermons are on podcast. Find your favorite podcast uh, platform, and you can find us there as well. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you for those who are going to have to suffer with me for the next 20 minutes or so. But we'll see. So this is my spiritual mentor, Don Boswell. I've talked about him before. He was a senior minister at Westwood Christian Church when I first I got into ministry. This is a caricature that you see of Don and uh, a much younger version of me driving the church van because that's what youth ministers do, I guess, or at least did back in the 80s. But, um, and then there's a picture over here of uh, our oldest son, Elliot, with his watchful eye over Don as he's holding our newborn, Ian, in his arms. I couldn't find a picture of him holding our newborn, Emily. Uh, she wasn't here yet. Uh, when that picture was taken. So we go back a long ways, and Don Boswell passed away about a year and a half ago. I miss him every single day. He's a man who saw in me that which I would have never seen. And so if you want to blame somebody for the fact that you got to put up with me, that he would, but sorry, he's already passed to his reward, so you can't blame him. But as I say, he was a senior minister at Westwood Christian Church, a small church. Uh, on a good Sunday, maybe 120 people uh, were there. And again, this is back in the 80s, and uh, some of you who have been around in church for a long time are going to recognize the pattern. It's getting ready to be talked about here. But this small church preacher not only preached a sermon on Sunday morning, a different sermon on Sunday night, but then he led an adult Bible study on Wednesday night. And in addition to that, he produced, printed, folded, and distributed the weekly church uh, bulletin. He produced, printed, and mailed out the monthly church newsletter. And he cut the grass not only around the parsonage where he and his family lived, but also around the church building. And he always had a white dress shirt on with a tie while he was cutting the grass. He also 
had a big smile on his face. Because you see, that's not my job was not in Don Boswell's vocabulary. He simply did whatever needed to be done. Now the fact that he served as senior minister of the congregation, shepherd of the flock, teacher of adults, preacher, and church secretary and groundskeeper, that never ever kept him from going about the task of the moment without having a smile on his face. I never heard him complain. I never heard him moan about the workload. He exemplified the whatever you do, do it for the Lord attitude as he labored for the kingdom of Christ. Now, I know we could sit here this morning and say, well, yeah, but Don Boswell was a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so of course he had the right attitude as he worked for the Lord. Remember my confession at the beginning? Okay. I haven't always followed that same attitude every single moment of my working career, even in the 35 years that I have been in ministry now. So I haven't followed that. How many of us sitting here today, and you don't have to raise your hands, okay? How many of us sitting here today could say, well, yeah, I always have a great attitude when I'm at work. I never grumble or complain. That's what I thought. I mean, we say we love Jesus and we say we love people, but are we known at work for our grumbling and complaining? Or are we among those who are leaders of the rebellion against the man at work when we feel like there's some injustice going on there? Or are we the type of worker that encourages our fellow employees and our employer and offers to help along the way with whatever we can do, kind of living out the example that God would have us to live out. Because God is honored by our actions, not just our words. God is honored by our actions, not just our words. Now, if we're only doing what we got to do to get by at work and we complain about it the whole time, that's not really honoring God, is it? For many of us, there's a gap between what we say and how we live. And I think that gap's called hypocrisy, right? I mean, how do we bridge that gap? How do we attain an attitude like Don Boswell's while we work? And just as importantly this morning, what happens if we don't? Well, in Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, He addresses work-related matters. Now, while he's talking about the slave-master relationship uh, going on here, I think the principles apply to the employee-employer relationship as well. So if if you've got your Bible with you, you want to turn there to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 22. We're going to be reading through chapter 4, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, if you can't get your phone to uh, connect to the Bible app in this metal box that we're in right now, then don't worry, I'll have the words up on the screen. Here's what Paul has to say. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, 
as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Now, I'm not going to spend any time at all today discussing the whole slave-master thing. Let's just go ahead and establish right now, at the time of Paul's writing, slavery was still in effect. Okay? It was still in effect. Paul's purpose here is to help slaves and masters behave like Christians, which, if played out to the ultimate end, would result in slavery being abolished, right? So Paul's not endorsing slavery here. He simply asks Christ followers to live so that God is glorified in all things. So from this point forward, I'm going to refer to employee-employer kind of relationship to kind of help us with the practical application of this passage for us today. Paul has much to say to both employees and employers in this passage. And on this Labor Day weekend, we want to do a little deeper dive into what followers of Jesus uh, should be behaving like, both as employees and employers. First, Paul reminds earthly masters that they are just that, earthly masters. And that we all have a heavenly master, that is Christ. God is our master, and our ultimate allegiance belongs to him. Whether we're the employee or the employer, doesn't matter. Our ultimate allegiance belongs to God. Our work should be of the highest quality because we're working for God. And then Paul admonishes his employees or the employees to work to please their masters Not just when they are being fair, not just when they like what they're being asked to do, not just when the boss is being nice, not even just when you think what the boss has asked of you is the right decision. Your work should be as excellent when the employer is away as it is when the employer is standing over your shoulder watching every move you make. Now, Paul would not endorse doing anything unethical or immoral as part of your work duties. Again, work should glorify God. I believe Paul would be among the first to advise you if should you find yourself in a position where you're being asked to do something immoral or unethical, he would advise you to find another place to work. But even in that transition, you should do so with the utmost of integrity because Excellence in work habits and production should come from your reverence for the Lord. Our what is powered by the why. I'll say that again, I'll explain. Our what is powered by the why. Why do we do what we do? To bring glory to God, of course. We are to do everything as if working for the Lord. So our excellence in our work habits and in our supervisory habits, if we are an employer, 
should glorify God and should be done with a desire to lead others to Christ and to grow them through Christ in our witness at work. So honestly, that's the most important job for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus have, isn't it? To lead others to Christ and to grow them through Christ? I mean, that's the command of Jesus. That's the why driving our what. Because as followers of Jesus, we are to bring others to Christ and grow them through Christ. Paul talks about heavenly rewards in this passage for both employees and employers. He also throws in a warning about the fact that God does not play favorites. And I don't want us just to pass by that one without a comment as well. There's not just a temporary earthly application in this passage. If there's no favoritism on this earth, there certainly will be no favoritism shown in the judgment. In his commentary on Colossians, Anthony Ashe states this, Those who treated others wrongly should fear, and those wrongly treated should take heart. Ash goes on to say that God's going to sort it all out, either in the here and now or in the hereafter. God is not as concerned about your station in this life as he is about your obedience to his word. Let me say that again. God is not as concerned about your station in this life as he is about your obedience to his word. And as followers of Jesus, we have submitted to his lordship, so we will obey his commands. But what if you choose to live this way? What if your work ethic leads to a conversation with your boss about Jesus? I mean, it could happen. God might have placed you where you are in your work situation right now for that very purpose, to have that very conversation. And if you do, you have only been found obedient to the command of Jesus to make disciples. Being willing to work at whatever you do as if you're working for the Lord includes living out the command to make disciples. So when your witness at work glorifies God, your life could get better. Uh, maybe not, but it could. But understand this, the ultimate reward is in heaven. Imagine this. You are standing in the presence of Jesus, which is already a reward enough. Amen? But you're standing in the presence of Jesus, and then suddenly you are surrounded by people that you led to Christ and grew through Christ while you were on this earth. Talk about a reward. Talk about a sweet day. Ah. But what are the stakes if you choose not to live this way? Perhaps you stay stuck in the same position at work, never advancing, never getting anything more than the minimal cost of living wage adjustment. Perhaps you're among the first to get downsized when your company decides to do that. Maybe nothing happens at all as far as your work situation goes. You just 
keep plugging along at the same inconsequential pace as always. Nothing exciting, nothing major. And then you stand before God on judgment day and you hear, why didn't you honor me with your work life? Oh, man, not a conversation any of us likely wants to have with the king of the universe on judgment day, right? Because the stakes for not choosing to honor God with your work is to face the fact that this is wrong. It's just wrong. And Paul reminds us, if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong that you have done, for God has no favorites. Doing what is wrong has consequences, and not honoring God in your work life is wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that not honoring God in your work life is going to keep you out of heaven. A lack of a relationship with Jesus is what will keep you out of heaven. Because your relationship with Jesus trumps everything else. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you would like to know more, please see me after the service. I would love to talk with you because there is frankly nothing more important than you can take care of today than having that relationship with Jesus. So the nature of your relationship with Jesus should be reflected in your work ethic, especially if you're working for him, right? Without that relationship with Jesus, it's still possible to have a good work ethic. I'll grant you that. You can still have a work ethic without a relationship with Jesus. It just won't be as good as it could be. Now, if you struggle with being a joy to work with or for, please remember again that you're working for God, not for people. Whatever you do should glorify God and lead others to Christ and grow them through Christ. And if you live that way, people will desire to hang out with you. People will want to work with you and for you. Whatever you do, work with a smile on your face, even when you're doing a task that you don't particularly enjoy you're doing these things for God, not for you. You're not doing them for your employer. You're doing everything to bring glory to God. When the focus shifts from you to God, that's when you can make that shift in attitude. That's when you can end the struggle and enjoy the labor for the Lord. As Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, you must have the same attitude as that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Jesus gave up the glory of heaven to become a slave for the gospel. He willingly worked so that we could have the hope of heaven. Isn't the only natural response on our part then to work willingly at whatever we do? As if working for the Lord, to bring him glory and honor. 
when we honor God with our work, blessings can come our way. Maybe not in promotions or even big pay raises, but that could happen. The blessings certainly include the knowledge that we are pleasing God and we are honoring God. And those blessings make any other blessings that come along icing on the cake. I mean, those blessings could include this conversation on Judgment Day. Some of you already know where I'm going. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Man, that beats a day off for Labor Day any day of the week. As followers of Jesus, our primary function is to honor God and to bring others to Christ and grow them through Christ. That's our why. In his commentary on the book of Colossians, Wilbur Fields writes this. I'll put it up on the screen. In serving our masters or employers faithfully, we serve the Lord Christ. Faithful service on our part will impress our employers with the reality of our Christian faith and will probably allow us to testify about our faith. Poor service will do just the opposite. As disciples of Jesus, we will strive to be the best employees or employers ever. It will be a joy for others to work with us and to work around us because we are going to determine to do whatever we do for the Lord. And joy is the result. God is honored by our actions, not just our words. Our actions should be of such high quality that there is no doubt for whom we labor. There will no longer be a gap between what we say and how we live because even when we don't like the what, we'll lean on the why. And our why, I've said it several times, I'll keep saying it, hopefully it sticks. Our why is to honor God by leading others to Christ and growing them through Christ. So as we prepare for this shortened work week ahead, I would like for us to think of one thing, one thing that we could implement this week that would make us a better employee or employer. Maybe we whistle while we work, or maybe we don't whistle. Maybe we smile and treat others with kindness, offering to help wherever we can. Maybe we ask uh, or don't ask our employees to do anything that we wouldn't do ourselves or haven't done ourselves. Now, I realize that some folks have graduated beyond the working world and you're in retirement. But you can apply these principles to every relationship. Maybe you're caring for an elderly parent or a sibling who has physical disabilities. Maybe you're just volunteering in the community at whatever it is. Then apply these same principles. Be that joy to work with. Think about one thing that you could do this week that would make that experience that much more pleasant for those around you. I, I would love to continue this conversation after the service, man, please, I had several people share with me 
after the first service, please come and, and let me know what's one thing that you want to implement. Because I need a list of more than just one for me personally. I got lots to work on. So help me out. Give me some give me some hints, some things that you would like to do.